Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Ve salatu ve selamu ala seyyidina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve ashabihi ecma'in. Subhaneke la ilme lana illa ma'allamtena inneke entel alimul hakim. Rabbi şrah li sadri ve yassir li amri ve ahlul uqdeten min lisani yafqahu qawli. Elhamdülillah. We thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving us the tawfiq and the ability to sit in his masjid to discuss some of the etiquette and adab and characteristics taught to us by his most beloved Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we read through these teachings with the intention of implementing and bringing these sunan and these etiquettes and adab in our lives so that we may be resurrected with those who have emulated the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and tried to perfect our habits. So we continue with Min Adab al-Islam, the book of Sheikh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda, and we're doing reading from the translation on page 41. And the heading is Respecting the Elderly. Previously we discussed some parts of um, various adab with regards to sitting between two people, not eavesdropping, and not doing anything appropriate to cause inconvenience to people in a gathering. So the author says, Recognize the status of the elderly and give them due respect. When walking with them, walk slightly behind to the right. Let them enter and exit first. When you meet them, then greet them properly and respectfully. These are the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When you discuss something with them, let them speak first and listen to them attentively and graciously. If the conversation involves debate, in other words, there is something in which you might disagree with the with the senior individual, then you should remain polite, calm, and gentle. Ensure that you speak to an, el- to an elder in a low tone. And when you address them, never forget to remain respectful. This is something Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa displayed, and he advocated, and he taught his sahaba as well. As we see f- going on further, Sheikh Abdul Fattah says, let me review with you some ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that encourage these polite manners. Two brothers came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to discuss a personal matter. The younger brother began to speak. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam remarked and he said, Kabbir, kabbir, allow the elder to speak. The one who is senior, allow him to speak. Give the older brother his right and allow him to speak first. And this hadith has been narrated by Imam al-Bukhari and Imam Muslim. Sayyiduna Ubadah bin Samit radiallahu an reports that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Whoever does not respect our elders is not of us. So showing respect to our seniors, to our parents, to our grandparents, to those who are uh, older than us, is part of the essentials of our deen, the characteristics of our deen, the things through which we are identified and people notice a quality in a Muslim uh, which is as significant as this one. Another version reports in another hadith, whoever does not respect our elders... Is, and is not compassionate to our youth and does not give our scholars due honor is not of us. And when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says he is not of us, it's a very stern warning that a person who does not pay attention to this instruction of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is guilty of disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first year is the person who does not respect uh, those who do not respect our elders Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Laysa minna. They, they are not from the true 
and the sincere followers of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the second is the person who is not compassionate to our youth, which means that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam practically demonstrated how to uh, interact with the youth, and he was patient with them. Once Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was performing salah, and his sujood became extremely prolonged. And the Sahaba said, some of us thought anna Rasulullah qad qubid, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had passed away. It was such a long sujood, unusually long. And after he completed the salah, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, la'allakum qad ajibtum min tuli sujoodi. It seems as if you might have been disturbed or confused as to why I made such a long sujood. So they said, yes, O Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he said, irtahalani ibni hadha. This son of mine, Sayyidina Hassan, radiallahu anhu, the grandson of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mounted, he jumped on my back in salah. So I did not wish to come up from the posture of, of sujood until he went off his own, on his own. I didn't want to stand up and let him fall or get hurt. So this is why uh, I took this into consideration. This was how Rasulullah sallallahu took the con- into consideration even the youth and their well-being. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that sometimes I commence the fard salah and I intend to recite some chapter of the Qur'an and then I hear a child crying and فَأُخَفِّفُ فِي الصَّلَاةِ And then I shorten my salah because I know how difficult it is for the mother of the child to be able to concentrate so to make it easy for her and the child I make the salah short. This is how Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam demonstrated practically. One is the instruction he gives us that the person who is not compassionate to the youth is not a sincere follower of, the, of his ummah and he demonstrated how a person needs to show compassion and uh, kindness to, to the youth. And he says, and the one that does not uh, give our scholars due honor is not of us. So honoring those people who have been blessed with the knowledge of prophethood of Nubuwa, the knowledge of Quran and Sunnah, uh, these are the characteristics which are found in our Muslim. And this is something we see in, in the older generations, that somebody is, is senior, then they, they are given preference, they speak. And if uh, there is somebody small, they take into consideration the, the condition of, of the youth. And they also have the utmost of respect for those senior ulama or those people who are in charge of the dini and religious matters. Further on, he says, observe in the following narration how Rasulullah taught the youth the manners of companionship and the habit of giving priority to elders. Sayyiduna Malik ibn Huwairith, a sahabi, radiallahu anhu, said, I was among a group of youth of similar age that visited Rasulullah in Medina Munawwara for 20 nights. So there was a group of people that came to Medina and they came to learn uh, deen and the Quran and the knowledge of deen from Rasulullah, young men. They were newly married, and Rasulullah was very, very kind and compassionate, he says. And then he sensed that we might have been longing for our families back home. 20, they were 20 days away from their families with Rasulullah and Rasulullah noticed that they, they were missing home. And he inquired about whom we left behind. Rasulullah asked, who did you leave behind? When we informed him that it's our wives and our children, and we are young and newly married, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't say that, you know, you stay in my company, I'm the Rasul of Allah, and your iman and your hidayah, everything depends on it, you better stay here as long as you can. He said, no, it's fine. Go back to your families, live with them, teach them Islam, 
and inform them of good deeds. So whatever you have learned, you go to your family and with good character, you, dis- you display this character and you go to them and uh, you teach them whatever you can. And at the time of prayer, let one of you call out the adhan and let the elders lead the salah. So even in this, Rasulullah sallallahu indicated that the one who is senior in age should be kef- uh, given preference and he should be requested to lead the congregation in salah, obviously on condition that the, the senior is well-versed with the, with the masail uh, of, of salah so that you don't, you don't have any other complications when a person is unable to, to handle the situation. But the point here is that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he taught the sahaba radiallahu anhum that um, firstly go to your families and then teach them good things, good habits, teach them Islam. And when the time of salah comes, ensure that you establish salah, which is the most important thing in the, in the life of a Muslim because it regulates a person's life. If a person is regular with salah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings normality in the other parts of, of our life as well. Because in salah, there's a restriction. A person can't speak, so you can't use your tongue the way you want to. In salah, your, your movements are restricted. You can only go into ruku when the imam goes into ruku. You can only go into sajda when the imam goes into sajda. So similarly, outside salah, our imam is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When it is time for us to speak, then before speaking, I will think that what is the instruction of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with regards to the speech? Is it a permissible speech or not? Amongst the scholars of the past, Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah, it is said that sometimes before he would speak, if somebody said something to him, he would pause first. And somebody asked him, why do you always pause before responding? He said, I first think that what I'm going to answer is this going to take me closer to Jannah or will it take me closer to the fire of Jahannam? And if I think it will be beneficial, it will be of benefit for me in the Akhirah, then I continue with completing the sentence. If not, I remain silent. And this is why the Arabic, there's a saying in Arabic, uh, I've, I've never, it is, مَا نَدِمْتُ عَلَى السُّكُوتِ مَرَّةً وَلَقَدْ نَدِمْتُ عَلَى الْكَلَامِ مِرَارًا That I've, I've never regretted or shown remorse for silence that I adopted. But many times I had to express my regret and apologies for saying something which I did not want to initially say, but I ended up saying. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam teaches us in this hadith, which is in Sahih al-Bukhari and Muslim, that even in the, in, in the, the condition of, of leading the salah, and we should always give preference to the seniors amongst us. Hafiz ibn Rajab al-Hanbali rahimahullah has narrated from the jurist Imam Ali ibn al-Mubarak al-Karkhi rahimahullah who studied under uh, Imam Qadi Abu Ya'la al-Hanbali rahimahullah who is himself a jurist of the Hanbali madhab is a judge and a chief sheikh of the Hanbali school of law during his time. Imam Ali ibn al-Mubarak says once on one day Qadi Abu Ya'la who was his teacher said to him while walking with him if you had walked with someone you honor, where would you walk? So the, the etiquettes learned from Rasulullah and the companions of Rasulullah was also not only in, in how to enter the house and how to make salam and how to come into the masjid. Even when you are walking with somebody that you love and somebody that is senior to you, Rasulullah's companions and the tabi'een and those who followed in their way, they demonstrated how to walk with people, a method of walking. In fact, the walking of Rasulullah sallallahu himself is documented in hadith. How he used to walk. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would walk up straight and he would lift his feet up and place it firmly on the ground. He wouldn't drag his feet. 
it is as if he is descending from an, an incline. He's coming downwards and he is careful the way he's placing his foot. This is how Rasulullah sallallahu would walk. And he, the Sahaba radiallahu anhum and those who followed their way would also uh, emulate this particular sunnah. And then when somebody is walking with their teacher, somebody is walking with their father, somebody is walking with their grandfather or a relative, somebody who is older, then Abu Qadi Abu Ya'la says, um, he asked the student, that if, uh, if you had to walk with someone you honor, where would you walk? So the student says, I replied, I do not know. So he said, walk to his right. In other words, on the right-hand side. On the right-hand side of the, of the senior. Place him at the position of the imam in salah. What does this mean? When we come to a, uh, the masjid, and if there are only two people performing salah, there's an imam and there is one follower, then the sunnah method of standing would be that the imam stands and a little to the rear of the imam on his right hand side, the follower would commence his salah behind the imam. So his, his toes perhaps would be a little behind the heel of, of the imam. And if another person comes, then in that case, so, so this is the initial form of salah, the imam and to his right hand side. Then the rule becomes, uh, when another person comes, he should stand in a way that He'll commence his salah, make a gesture to the one who is following the imam, and that person would come back. So there's two people standing behind the imam. One directly behind the imam was the new latecomer, and one is the original one who was standing to the right of the imam will stand now to the right-hand side of the, of the follower. That will be a saf behind the imam. And if there's no place to the rear of the imam, the imam will go forward if there is place in front. Then if a fourth person comes, he will stand on the left-hand side of the two followers of the, of the imam. In that way, keeping the imam in the middle all the time. That's why in the hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu stated, wasitul imam, ensure that the imam is kept in the middle. So you have the, the imam, and if somebody comes, we should not make a lopsided saf. Everybody is going all to one side, and the rest of the saf is empty, but the imam should be kept in the middle. But the point here is that when commencing the formation of the row, if there are only two people, the imam and another person, it will be the imam, and to the right-hand side of the imam, there will be one person. So like we do that in salah, if you're walking with your father, walking with somebody senior, with your mother, then allow them to walk, and you walk on the right-hand side out of respect for them in emulation of this particular practice. And further on, Abu Ya'la says that uh, leave his left side clear in case he needs to spit or get rid of some dirt. In other words, if, if there had to be something that he needed to sneeze or cough, and turn away, then you leave the left-hand side for him to be able to, to do so out of, out of respect. On page 44, we continue with the adab and the etiquettes mentioned by Sheikh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda, rahimahullah. He says, elders are to be served first. So now we have a guest, or we need to, we are, we are serving at a particular function. Where do we start? So he says, you should give precedence to the elderly or the dignitaries ahead of anyone else. In other words, there are senior people, maybe there are people of position. Uh, we're talking in, in environment of deen, so people who are running um, uh, senior positions in the community or people who are elderly, the elderly are given first preference. After that, you may proceed with those on their right, which is in accordance with the practice of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The evidence supporting this manner, in addition to the two ahadith mentioned above, is illustrated in many ahadith, some of which are cited below. 
So there are two types of ahadith that we have on this particular topic. Whether you should start from the senior person in the gathering, or should you start from the person on the right-hand side, the first person on the right in the gathering. And this is what the author wishes to elaborate on. Imam Muslim, rahimahullah, reported in his Sahih, under the chapter of the manner and rules of eating and drinking. This is also a very important point, that, like I said, every part of Rasulullah's physical appearance was documented, how he walked, how he spoke, how he looked. All his mannerisms were also documented, how he ate, what he preferred to eat, what he liked to eat. And um, this is why the, the muhaddithin have got numerous books Sometimes just discussing the manners and the rules of eating and drinking established from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa was very particular about etiquette. Once he heard a man uh, belching and burping openly. And uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam disapproved of this. He said, la aqsir min jushaik. He said, you should not openly just belch and, and, and burp in front of people. And this is something you see in the month of Ramadan in Taraweeh. You know, the iftar time, all the bajas and samosas and the milkshake and, the, uh, and then it's compacted with the coke and whatever. So now when the taraweeh starts, the first rakat, second rakat, everything is being pumped in the stomach. Now you come up in the second rakat, you hear all the gas release in the masjid. And uh, the odor is not that pleasant at all, so it disturbs the people on either side of the musalli who is uh, guilty of this. So Rasulullah sallallahu heard a person belching in this way and burping. He said, Aqsir min jushaik. He said, you should, you should lessen this burping of yours. فَإِنَّ أَطْوَلَ النَّاسِ جُوعًا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَكْثَرُهُمْ شِبَعًا فِي الدُّنْيَا أو كما قال النبي عليه الصلاة والسلام Because most certainly the person who will experience the most severe hunger on the day of Qiyamah will be those who filled their bellies the most in this world. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not make us amongst them. And this is why we are taught to eat in moderation, one-third, 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 one-third for food, one-third for drink, and one-third for, for air. And uh, then there's no need to, to look for a contradiction and say, oh, uh, the doctors say you shouldn't eat and drink at the same time. You, know, you mustn't have any liquids while you're eating. The doctors are right, because the way we eat, there's no place for liquids. If you eat until the esophagus and there's no place for water and now somebody still puts water on top of that it will just result in him feeling bloated whereas if you eat the way Rasulullah ate then drinking is fine you have one third for food and you have one third for water that water would then help with the digestion of the food and you have one third for air so you can still breathe so <clears throat> yeah Imam Muslim rahimahullah under the chapter of the manner and the rules of eating and drinking, he said that Sayyiduna Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman. Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman is that companion of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who was the secret bearer of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he was very close to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was fond of him and he would know all the secrets of Rasulullah. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would tell him this is what's going to happen. And he said... Uh, I'm digressing, I apologize for that, but sometimes when you see the names of great people, then you just remember the great things that they were known for. So Sayyidina Hudayfa, he said, generally the Sahaba would ask Rasulullah about some glad tidings, when the good things will happen, when will we have the Bishara and the conquest, or when will you, you know, all the type of glad tidings of the, of the dunya. 
He said, I used to ask Nabi Sallallahu about fitna, about the fitan. What are the signs of Dajjal? What's alamatu sa'a? What's going to happen before Qiyamah? This was Sayyidina Hudayfa, and this is why Rasulullah Sallallahu told him many things. He was told also about certain individuals who might be munafiqeen in, in Medina Munawwara. So Rasulullah Sallallahu told him that this person is a munafiq, that person is a munafiq. But he wouldn't tell them that they're munafiq. It was a secret. So Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anhu would watch him at the time of a janazah and see if Hudayfa goes to the janazah, then he would go to the janazah. And if Hudayfa stays away, then he says, okay, I've got some other work and he wouldn't attend, knowing that Hudayfa is intentionally not attending the janazah. So Sayyidina Hudayfa said, whenever we were invited to a meal with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we would not stretch out for the food until he reached for it. And this was the respect the Sahaba had. When we were ever invited for a meal, which means it is sunnah also to invite people and entertain people, as it was done by the, the companions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, We would not advance our hands or, or indicate that we, 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 we are craving for a particular part of the, of the meal presented. Until Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam placed his hand on, on something. And this is how the Sahaba radiallahu anhum showed respect to their, uh, to their elders. In fact, in the story of Hijrah, Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, when they passed by the, the tents of Ummu Ma'bad, the Bedouin lady who gave milk to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's a famous story among the miracles of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They passed by and her husband was gone out and she had, um, she had a goat that was uh, so weak that it couldn't even go out to graze with the other animals. So Rasulullah sallallahu said, does, this, uh, does it have milk? So she smiled and she said, uh, oh stranger, you can see how weak this thing is. Never mind having milk, it, it's barely surviving. So Rasulullah sallallahu asked, do you allow me to, uh, to check? She says, well, go ahead. And Rasulullah sallallahu recited something. And he placed his hands on the animal and he started milking it and he filled a bowl with milk from an animal which seemed to be nearly dead. And he, uh, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu an, then said, Rasulullah sallallahu drank. And I told him, you continue drinking on the of Allah, drink some more. He said, hatta raditu. Abu Bakr as-Siddiq said, Rasulullah sallallahu drank so much until I was satisfied. I wanted to be satisfied that, he's, that he drank enough. Not that, you know, we'll be entertaining somebody who say, okay, all right, Basna, enough now. You can leave something for the other, <laughs> for the other guest as well. No, he said, فَشَرِبَ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa drank and drank until I was happy that now Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was satisfied. And then I took. So this was also showing the etiquette and the adab that the Sahaba had in their lives, always showing that how you need to deal with your, with your elders and your seniors by giving them preference over oneself. And to emphasize the importance of these manners, Imam al-Nawawi, rahimahullah, Imam al-Nawawi is the great Shafi'i scholar uh, who he wrote commentaries on books of hadith and uh, he was a jurist of his time. He was amongst the greatest of the ulama of his time and he passed away at the age of 44. So the amount of books that he's written, people with, if they had lives of hundreds of years, perhaps would have difficulty writing them. Many, many volumes the commentary of Muslim, he wrote uh, the books of Shafi'i Fiqh al-Minhaj and Al-Rawda and uh, many other books as well. So he's, got, he's the author of the famous book Riyadh al-Salihin. 
So in this book, Riyadh al-Salihin, he cited a large collection of a hadith and devoted an entire chapter to the subject entitled The Chapter of Respecting Scholars, the Elderly, the Dignitaries, giving them precedence and the best seat and acknowledging their rank. And uh, this verse is stated here, That can those who know, so are those who know equal to those who do not know. And further on the verse says, it is only those who possess understanding that receive admonishment or admonition. إِنَّمَا يَتَذَكَّرُ أُولُوا الْأَلْبَابِ يَتَذَكَّرُ actually means to, to derive benefit and advice. أُولُوا الْأَلْبَابِ means, لُب in Arabic means a person with intellect. أُولُوا الْأَلْبَابِ means those people whose minds are open and they are prepared to understand. So those who really have understanding, they, they do not equate between somebody who is senior and somebody who is, who is qualified. And this is one of the things that we need to inculcate within our lives also, acknowledging the, the achievements of the scholars of the past, especially the academic achievements of the scholars of the past. Unfortunately, nowadays, we have a trend in which a person might be able to speak a bit of Arabic or maybe learn a little bit, uh, you know, in an institute, whether it be a Darul Ulum or university, and they feel that they have the right to um, take to task senior scholars like the, the Mujtahideen and the Fuqaha of Islam, uh, this is something which is which is very dangerous. That you know, I, why do I have to listen to uh, Imam Abu Hanifa or Imam Shafi'i or these jurists when I can I can open and read myself? So uh, it is a sign of disrespect to conduct oneself in this way. Those who have knowledge and those who have expertise in a particular field should be respected in their fields. Uh, we'll just conclude with the I think one more. Paragraph said, Naqba bin Amir al Badri al Ansari stated that Rasulullah said, Those who are best at reciting the Quran should lead the people in salah. So, the best reciter of the Quran should be the, the one who leads the people in salah. And if they are all equal, then those who are well versed in the Sunnah should lead. And if they are equal, then a person who immigrated, in other words, made hijrah from Makkah to Medina should lead. And if they all immigrated at the same time, then the elders should lead. So, in this hadith also, we can see the preference given to or the importance given to those who are senior. And our Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa advocated this. And just on the point of the, the best reciter should be leading the salah, this is something not only for the first salah, but for salat al-taraweeh also. In taraweeh, you should get those people who recite the Qur'an correctly. It shouldn't be a race in trying to see who can finish taraweeh quickly, and especially the month of Ramadan coming. Yeah, in, it's still part of the winter season, so the nights are long. In some masajid, we have taraweeh, you know, the, the isha and taraweeh and witr, everything in 45 minutes. And, and people go, mashallah, half an hour before the adhan of isha because they want to finish taraweeh early, but they're still in the masjid for the same amount of time because they're going half an hour, 45 minutes earlier, and they're talking for another half an hour after isha. So... Uh, the, the taraweeh especially is, is a salah in which we need to uh, give the importance of having a good reciter, good reciters of, of the Qur'an, and it shouldn't be a rush. In fact, the word taraweeh, the word taraweeh comes from the word tarweehatun in Arabic. Tarweeha comes from the word raha in Arabic. Raha means to rest. So salatul taraweeh is a salah in which you have rest, resting moments. 
after four rakats, you rest, you have some water, do some tasbihat, and then you continue with the next four rakats. Rather than just making it like rapid fire, uh, you know, 20 rakats, everybody's, it's like, uh, for some people, it's like a cardio workout because it's so stressful on their bodies, they're going up and down all the time, and the half is reading fast. Uh, this should not be the case. Uh, Salat al-Taraweeh is part of the beauty of the month of Ramadan. Therefore, the recitation of the Quran should also be done in the same way. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all tawfiq to bring within our lives these adab and etiquettes of respecting our elders and our parents and our seniors and make it a means of this beautiful conduct becoming alive in our community so that when we become old, there are people to respect us. Uh, the way we, kama tadinu tudan, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, the way you deal with people, this is how you will be dealt with. Wa akhiru da'wana, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.